and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Make things abundantly clear. We are building him a house. Capital H. We have felt like we have this mandate as a community that God has given us to build him a house where he is welcomed, where he is hosted, and where he is glad. So today, man, I just, I felt that as, as we were worshiping. Can we just, I want to honor the worship team. Can we honor them really quickly? Wow. Man, every time we, we step into moments like that where worship was beautiful, I just think about Mexico. There was one time in Mexico I was preaching, and th- this was the worship team. It was a piano player with a guy who couldn't sing and a drummer. That was the whole team. And, they, and I had to really learn in those moments, like, to really lean in. And so, like, I've had the most beautiful encounters with the Lord when I really leaned in beyond the song. Like, when it didn't sound all that great, but thank God it sounds great here, right? It's just like, oh, bro, Covey, I wanted to honor you. I felt that, I felt, I felt like God's pleasure in my heart. For those of you that, it's public knowledge, Covington's lease ended on Friday. And I was just wrecked during this over worship. They're like, they don't have a place to live right now. And I'm watching him on stage worship Jesus, and I'm just thinking, that's hard. You know what I mean? Like anybody can worship Jesus. This is practical for what I'm talking about today. Anybody can worship Jesus when nothing's going wrong. When it's like you got a car and your stuff is in storage and you don't know where you're going to live. That's when you figure out whether you're a Levite or not. I'm trying to tell you. So I honor you, bro. You, you blessed me during worship today. And that, there's, no, there's no, I just felt that, man. We've got to learn to honor people when they step into moments of faith. That's what God's trying to do in this hour. Last, last week, we were worshiping on the field. How many of you were there on the field with us? <laughs> we, were, we were worshiping with, there was 30, 30, I think there was 32 churches that canceled Sunday service, and we all met on a field. And I just feel like God's going to continually do this with his body. Like, he's authoring us. He's inviting us into faith. And I feel like in these next days, it's going to look a little different. You may feel a little uncomfortable. It may come outside of your paradigm, but you got to know the Lord is doing a new thing. And that's one of the things that like really gets, it aggravates me. People who walk around quoting that God's doing a new thing in scripture, but they're still doing the same old thing. And I'm like, listen, either God's doing a new thing or not. Either either God is faithful or he's not. He's not faithful with a part of your life. That's why I told Pastor Tali yesterday, like I really want to invite people into generosity because listen, the reason we have this, this environment in worship is because we, we've taught on it. We've, we have ascribed value to worship. We have said worship is not a thing, it is the thing. Yeah. We preach, we move, it's like we, all of it is unto that, that we live not just a moment of worship, but a lifestyle. Yeah. So, so I want us to, in the same way, when we, when we look at generosity and giving in that way, we give because we, we cannot outgive God. He is faithful, and I've just never seen it, man. I, I, I'm convinced. There was a season in my life where I struggled to give, and God showed me it's because I had an orphan spirit. I did not in my heart really believe that God was going to take care of me. So I had to learn to take care of myself. And in every area in our life, that's what God is trying to invite us into, bold faith and action. Maybe you find yourself in a deep season of brokenness, misunderstanding, disappointment, these are seasons for us to lean in and really figure out, God, you are really provider. God, you are really healer. God, you are really present. Are you alive? I got about an hour-long sermon. No, I'm kidding. But, but I, felt, I felt this today, and I, I, I had faith this morning. I was pacing the beginning in the beginning during pre-service, and I felt faith in my heart for you. Like, I felt that, 
I, I just felt this thing where like every person who walks in with a need, God is capable, able, and willing to meet it. I, I believe, I believe, I have faith in my heart today that he is willing and he is able. Some of us believe he is able, but th you don't believe he's willing. Like you have no problem believing God has the capability to heal or to deliver or to mend, but you don't really think he's willing. And so it's difficult for us to step into these moments. I haven't even gotten to my sermon. I'll get there. It's difficult for us to step into these moments because we have made, we have based our view of God on our experience instead of holding our experience to our view of God. Any situation in my life that I'm going through, and listen, this is easier said than done, right? I'm going to preface that I know. But when I'm facing a situation in my life that, that, that does not add up to the word of God, I don't get to change the word of God. That's why as we were going today, we kept singing about the history and the faithfulness because there's something that happens when we remind ourselves who God is. There is something that happens when we begin to remind ourselves, not just what we've read, but as you build history with the Lord, it becomes an anchor for you. So there are some things in my life that I'm just not allowed to say. I, I, I believe that it offends the Lord. I no longer in my life can struggle with if he's a good provider or not. I have in my life seen him provide so many times that for me to come at him in that way is offensive. I can't not believe that he's not healer. I've seen him heal. I can't believe he's not faithful. When everybody else abandoned me, he met me. This is history with the Lord, and this is why we've made this shift as a community. As a community, we stopped identifying just as a church, because that's a box, right? Yeah. But we are a community of people that are engaging God through loving Him, worshiping Him, and corporately proclaiming what He's proclaiming together. Yeah. And we believe this is what God is doing. I, I think it's important for us in the midst of, how many of you know God's doing a lot? Yeah. Oh my gosh, He's doing a lot. And, and I'm excited about it, but in the midst of all he's doing, I feel this. It's important to clarify what we're really doing here. Because even though we gathered 30 churches last week, that was amazing and it was unto him, but that's not why we're here. You see what I'm saying? Even though we come into Sunday mornings and it's full, that's good, that's great, but that's not why we're here. God has put a mandate on us, and the mandate he said to us is, you are to build a Levitical community that ministers first and foremost unto me. We do that through the ministry of prayer. That's why you continually hear. We have decided that as we build community, how many of you know community is important? Yeah. It's important. But at the same time, it is not the responsibility of the church to build relationships for you. Right. Somebody say amen. <laughs> just like, listen, let's just put it across. It's not even about that. It's not the church's job to disciple your kids. The Bible last time I said, Saul, last time I read it, it says that you are the priest of your home. So like I'm talking about for Judah, that like my kids, Judah, Selah, I'm not even talking, I'm talking about me. I can't put the responsibility to disciple my kids in the Lord in the hands of someone else. Because the Bible says you are graced, you are equipped, and you are able to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And when they grow, they will not depart. Are you alive? So as we're building this community, it's important to clarify what are we really doing. And what we see God doing is he's taking the ministry of the prayer room from a back room that's empty with a few people into the forefront. 
like he's planning it right in the center of what we're doing. And he was, he's saying to us, I feel this, will you believe me for more? Like, will you believe, will you believe the word? Will, will you believe? And this is what the Lord defined it as. He says, my house will be called a what? A house of prayer. He set the parameters around what a church is. And so I say all that to say this. We're not trying to recreate something that he didn't create. I feel like this, uh, last week, I think it was last week, yeah, we were, we've been here four years. Last, oh, next week will be four years we've been here at, at, in this community. I'm really bad with dates. And I feel like just now, we're finding clarity around what is God has called us to do. We're continually pivoting, and this is good for you. Listen, don't get so stuck in your ways that you, you're not moldable and pliable to where God is leading you. That's why history tells us that people who experience God in one season have a really hard time experiencing him in the next. Because they become offended with this question. Well, why would God do it that way? God didn't do it that way before. And he's leading us, he's guiding us, and he's inviting us. So as a community, why are we here? First and foremost, I want to say we are here to host him. Say host him. him. That's why we're here. We are here to host him. What were we doing for an hour? We were inviting. We started with Thanksgiving because he's attracted to that. He's attracted. It's not just for you. It attracts him. It says he he is enthroned upon what? The praises of his people. So there's this progression where God says, listen, you enter in with Thanksgiving. Why? Because Thanksgiving attracts him, but it also gives you proper perspective. It's really easy in a room this size to see that there's lots of people going through lots of different things. And listen, what, what, what Thanksgiving does is it gives you the right perspective, not only on your situation, but on who God is in the midst of your situation. So like I'm standing up here on this stage, right? If I take my glasses off, I can see you. I can see all of you. And this is the reality. Most Christians live their life like this. Like they're content with partial sight. I can see I'm good. But what begins to happen as you remind yourself of the faithfulness of God, what he's done, what he continually is going to do, it gives you, listen, it's like HD. It allows you to step into worship. Some of us struggle with worship because we don't understand the posturing of heart into thanksgiving. You're waiting for God to touch you. It doesn't work that way, man. God is continually trying to touch you. Listen, the, the, the lack is not on his side. So we come in, God, I thank you. I worship you. And I make it personal. I thank you for my son and my daughter. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my home. And I begin to uh, allow Thanksgiving to begin to to wash away all the garbage that is not allowing me to see him rightly. Are you understanding? This is practical. But as we do that, we begin to host him and he comes. Say he comes. Whether you feel him or not, he comes. He's attracted. He becomes. He, it's like he can't contain himself because he's looking for a people that would host him. And we've talked about this multiple times as a community. Mary of Bethany, how he came into that place and she washes feet and we want to be that. But, but listen, beyond that, as a community, I want to say to you, there's something special that happens when we do it together. At the end of worship, why did my wife say, everybody stand up, change your posture? Because listen, I pray that throughout the week that you minister to the Lord and that, and that you have your alone time. But there's something that happens inside of us when we corporately in a room this size, we all lift up our hearts and say, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worth. Something happens. 
I don't know how to explain it. And that's why Pastor Tyler said, listen, if your God can be explained within the context of your brain, your God is too small. How can you read a scripture that says he is the God from everlasting? He always was and he always will be. And then you understand that person? You, no, no, you get him? God is much bigger, much greater. And in order to host him, it takes, listen, hosting is intentional. If I'm going to host someone in my home, there are probably some things that have to happen before they come. You know, listen, your house ain't 100 all the time. Come on. What am I saying? In order to host someone, there's action required. Well, and then this is, the, this is the tricky part because some of you are like, well, that's striving. God just comes where, yeah, you are his friend, but he is your Lord. He's Lord. And this is the great conflict within the church. That God is both friend, but he is Lord. Some of you, you know him as teacher and rabbi, but you don't know him as Lord. Knowing God as Lord looks like something. It changes the person. Well, I give God 10% of my money. All of my money is his money. My children are, I don't give them 10% of my kids. Everything I own is his. And it makes it really easy. Look, it makes it really easy because I'm not responsible for it. My only job is to step into obedience as I host God come. And as he comes, what do we want to do? We say it every week. When he comes, we want him to stay. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to be deterred. Listen, this is both applicable in this room and outside of this room. The posture of heart. I wake up in the morning. I'm not going to get sucked into the American dream. Why am I alive? I can go work and I can host him as I work. As Steve's driving his truck, he's hosting the Lord in that little cabin. And things happen. Well, it's, it's easy for you to just kind of like, yeah, well, we do a good job hosting them 1030. No, we got to graduate. There's an invitation for you to host them in your home, at your job. You host him, you welcome him. And listen, light and darkness cannot coexist. I'm sorry that, I'm sorry if you, listen, as you host the Lord, there are certain things that can't be there. Like, no, 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 there's grace. There is grace to help you get rid of the darkness. There are certain things that, 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 God, that God is not going to step into because he is what? Holy. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to make you holy. You're like, man, I'm broken. What does this have to do with everything? Everything. We've had enough preaching that has to do with coping with our life. We need to be taken up. John said, behold, I saw a door and it came from up. And there was an invitation up. Are you? Oh. I'll keep you here till one. Uh, you, know, you know me better than that. I get hungry. So. There's an invitation up. And the invitation up can only be heard. Listen, he heard a voice. And some of us don't hear a voice because there's too much noise. There's too much noise. Your phone, your TV, your friends, it's noise. So that's why we get into corporate settings and I'm standing here and I'm like, let's wait on God. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is awkward. What are we doing? I just take the offering. I'd rather give than stare at that. It's because we, we, we have not learned how to wait on him. How to host him. 
And so he comes and we host him. And after we host him, we love him. We, we love, listen, love looks like something, does it not? It's not just something that Heidi Baker said to feed little African kids. She didn't like copyright that. Love, love, there's action behind love. I say this all the time in the context of my relationship. I can't imagine the only time that I would engage with my wife is on Sunday. Well, listen, we're going to do our own thing, but Sunday at 1030, I'll see you there. And we'll love on each other really good. It'll be great. You see what I'm saying? And the, the shift that has to take place is we have to understand that we are invited into bridal. Listen, it's marriage. It's marriage. Everything that ever, should I say it, bro? I'm going to say it. You're back. You give me permission to say all. Everything that, everything that distracts you from this marriage is adultery. You just got to look at it that way. I will, ne I will never meet with a woman alone. Ever. And it's not because, it's not because like, I'm like, oh man, I don't have self-control. I just, I just don't want the perception that I would even entertain that. Now, if we really believe we were married to the Lord and that, that applied, it would change a lot of the way we lived our life. It wouldn't even be, you understand, it wouldn't even be about the act. I could do that, I'm free. You are free. But beyond that, what about the, I don't even want people to perceive that there's anything between me and the Lord. <laughs> it's too much for you guys, I know. Should I move on to the next one? But, but I do want to say this. You can never in your own strength love the Lord. You know, you realize why when I said the second thing we do after we host him is love him, nobody going, yeah, it's because we've struggled to believe that. Like the, the question that, that if we get down to the plumb line is like, I don't know how to love him. And it's because of this, you think that loving God originates with you. If I could just muster up enough, oh, I want to love and I want to do and I want to, oh, I love him. so. <laughs> the only way to love the Lord is to understand his love for you. Why do we have a prayer room? I know in the prayer room it can get intense sometimes. It's like you got Marcus up here and he's going. He, but, but, but the goal of the prayer room is that you would encounter love. Because love authors faith and faith allows you to proclaim like Marcus does. So we host him, but the, but the goal of hosting him is that we would allow his love to encounter us. The Bible says that those who are forgiven much, they love much. Why? I, I don't have to struggle to love the Lord. I know who I was. I was just having a conversation with someone last week, and I said, listen, I don't understand how I just got saved one day. I don't understand. That. I just know it happened. I know I was a drug addict. I was angry. I was broken. I was addicted to pornography, lust, all of it, all of it. I was of all of it, and one day I met love, and it changed. This is the gospel. So when I, listen, so let's, re, let's change it. So when I'm having trouble loving, I'm having trouble remembering. The moment I'm finding myself having trouble loving, I have forgotten to remind myself where he took me out of, what I have been forgiven of. Reminding myself of where I was, it's not a shaming thing. It's thankfulness. Yeah. 
Because the enemy will tell you this, you should be further along, you should be doing more, you should be praying like them, you should be worshiping like them, when all God is asking you to do is take the next step of faith. The next step of, of, of obedience. Is this too much? <laughs> what time is it? All right, I'm good. So we, we host him. And when we host him, when he comes, we love him. And we love him by allowing him to love us. Say, say this, I'm worthy of love. <laughs> I'm worthy of love. Yeah, the second time you didn't. <laughs> I'm worthy of love. Until you believe that you won't allow yourself to be loved. In your most broken situation, in your greatest dysfunction, the lowest moment of your life, if you were the only person that would have ever said yes to Jesus, he would have still went to the cross. The only one. That should do something to our hearts. When it stays broad, it doesn't become personal. But when it becomes personal, it changes our heart. So we host him and then we love him. We love him through song, through adoration. I believe we can love him even through community. I believe as we honor one another and as we come into friendship, God, God, God smiles upon that and it, it's a form of loving him. I believe that. But when, when, once we step into that love, we begin to know him and this is the goal. Paul prayed that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing what? In knowing him. That the spirit of wisdom and of revelation would come so you would know him. Not so that you would know how to preach better, how to do better ministry, how to get better followers, how to build a platform, so that you would know him. Yeah. That you would know him. And this is, the, this is why we're, I need you to understand, I, I might just land right here. The whole goal of a, of a Sunday morning gathering is that he would show us a glimpse of who he is. Yeah. We come in with Thanksgiving. I saw this at Upper Room and I was like, I was like wow, I never seen it like that. But it's like, they, they put it in terms of we're rounding a mountain. And we begin to, to enter in with thanksgiving. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you do. And our hearts begins to become softer and softer and softer. Have you ever felt that? You come in and your heart begins to soften. You begin to feel emotional. And you're like, I can't be emotional. I'm a man. And you stop. And as we begin in this progression of worship, we feel him. And when we feel him, it's like, oh, I love you. <laughs> I'm convinced that, I'm convinced that people who haven't gotten there haven't really met him yet. Because there's just no, when he comes in that way, there's no other response but, oh my, I love you. You're beautiful. You're, you're so much greater than any, situ, any situation. I love you. But as we begin to pour our love on him, he begins to reveal himself. So like at the end, as, as we're singing, and they're singing about the holy, the holiness of God, he's revealing himself to us. And as we step into that place, something happens to us. Look at me, something happens to us that you can never muster up on your own. David in the Bible, he built a tabernacle. Have you read about the tabernacle of David? 
There was the Ark of the Testimony, which is where the presence of God dwell, which is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to host a person. And in Moses' tabernacle, there was, there was layers. There was like outer courts, inner courts. And it was like this progression to be able to get in. And nobody really even got into this place, which was called the Holy of Holies. There would be one high, it was, it was a mess. It was the progression. It was a, and then David becomes king. And when he becomes king, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, this is the first thing we're going to do. We're going to bring the ark back. And he says, we're going to bring the ark back because in, in the time of Saul, they did not inquire about the presence of the Lord. They didn't inquire of the presence. And that's the, that's the real difference between Saul and David, right? Like Saul was trying to build his own house and David had, he wanted to build the Lord a house. That's the difference between the modern church and what, that's the difference between the church of now and what God's birthing. When we sit at tables and we strategize on how to get people and how to make them happy, it's a house of Saul. That's all it is. But, the, but what God is doing is we're starting to sit at tables and we're saying, man, I wonder. I wonder what would make Jesus happy. And then somebody's like, well, what if people don't get it? And we're like, we're going to have to pray grace on them. I have to pray grace on them. Trust the Lord to bring them along because it's like we can't take for granted that he comes every time we gather. So David had this idea and he makes this vow. I will not sleep or slumber, Psalms 132. I will not sleep or slumber or give myself rest until I build the Lord a dwelling place. And this dream gets birthed in his heart to build the Lord a house. And the Lord is so moved by his request that he sends the prophet Nathan to speak to him. And he's like, hey, listen, I never lived in a house. I've always moved around in a tent. But what's amazing is when you read, people don't teach about this a lot, but when you read the tabernacle of David, what you see is it was just a tent. And in the tent, there were Levites. And these Levites, this was the center of David's government. His idea of how to establish government that, that, that worked, that, that was like, that was blessed was, we're going to put the ark in the middle, and then we're going to pay a lot of money so people can minister to the ark. Right in the middle of Jerusalem. And when you read this story, you see that there was no, what I love about this, there was no, there was no, um, there were no progressions to get into the presence. It was just a tent. Well, what's even more amazing is David is in the midst of the tent and he's not even a Levite. He's there. And I believe the reason, listen, I believe the reason that David was able to step into something that wasn't available to him. I need you to understand this wasn't available to him. What David was experiencing in that tent during that time and all of the Levites was something that would have been available in this covenant. I don't have time to explain it, but it wasn't available. He pulled it by faith. He saw something that wasn't available. And because he had a heart for the Lord, this is the only person in the Bible that is called a man after God's own heart, right? Because he had a heart for the Lord, God gave him access to something that was not available, which was his manifest presence without restraint. And what you see in the life of David is he had the heart of Jesus. Jesus prays a prayer in John 17. We've been reading it a lot because we've been talking about unity, right? And we've been talking about, well, unify, yeah, okay. In the midst of that prayer, it's one of the longest prayers of Jesus. 
there's a scripture that he prays and Jesus says this, Father, I desire. There's a desire on the inside of Jesus. You need to know this. He doesn't change, right? Can we agree? The desire he wrote in that, that he spoke of, it's still there. I have it in the back. Can you put it up, Riley? Father, I desire. No, it's the scripture. It's 1724. It should be the first one. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's go there, John 17, 24. I'm gonna land right here, but I need you to see this. Say, I'm there. Father, I desire that these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. So he prays a few things. He says, Father, I have a desire and my desire is that they would be with me where I'm going to be. And that as they are with me where I'm going to be, that they would see my glory. Now what, I'm, what I want you to see is there's a, there's a prayer that David prays that is inside of his heart that mirrors the prayer of Jesus in John 17. And it's John 27. We say it all the time. It's 24. Yeah, Psalms, Psalms 24, 7. Where he says, this one thing. Say one thing. one thing. This one thing I ask. This one thing I seek. That what? That I may behold the beauty of the Lord. That I may dwell in his temple all the days. All the days. Well, what I want you to see is this. I believe the reason that David was able to establish a tabernacle where the presence of God was hosted was because he stepped into the prayer of John 17. He saw before Jesus ever walked the earth, he said, listen, I see that God has a desire. And he desires that we would be with him and that we would see his glory. What is his glory? It's his face. It's his face that we would see his glory and that we would stay in that place. As a Levitical community, listen to me. This is the posture of heart. Are you with me? This is the posture of heart. Whether you've been saved for three days or your whole life. Father, I want to host you and I want to love you. But all of that is unto this, to know you. It's to know you. You have to know God wants you to know him. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. He's not hidden. Listen to me. He's not hidden. He does not withhold. He is desperately yearning for sons and daughters to know him. That's you. And I want to say this. This is the last thing I'll say. And it's not through a sermon. Man, well, I get to know him every week, man. 30 minutes, you know what? You do a great job, Gio. Some of y'all don't believe that. I'm affirming myself. You do a great job. You do so good. That's why I come. No. Man, if you come for me, don't come. But, but, but the shift is, God, I come because I want to know you. And when you really believe that, you'll start waking up in the morning and you'll feel him. I feel that in the morning, man. No matter how tired I am, I'm driving, I'm driving with my son. And my, God uses my son all the time to speak to me. But it's like this knocking. And then I'm reminded of like the scripture that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
and you stop thinking that's just one day that's going to happen in Revelation, and you begin to say, man, every day he's knocking. <sighs> every day he's seeking. Every day he's longing. Am I done, baby? <laughs> hey, Covey, come up. You know what? I want, I want to do something. Can we stand? That was a lot, yeah? I didn't even get to my last point, which was to partner with him. I'll let somebody else hit that. Say this, I'm going to host him. I'm going to love him. And I'm going to know him. Let's do it one more time. I'm going to host him. I'm going to love him. And I'm going to know him. Do you believe that? You're like, well, what about the world? I feel that. What about the world? Until you pass step three, until you get there where you're like, man, I know him. Because that's part of the problem we have in, in, in the church today. It's like we're introducing, we're introducing people to a God we don't know. That's why you can't learn a script and lead people to Jesus. You led them in a manuscript. You didn't lead them into a relationship. So can we just close our eyes? I just want to pray over you. I want to pray for us. Father, in John 17, 24, you said you desire that we would be with you and that we would see your glory. Father, I'm asking right now in Jesus' name that you would touch hearts. God, that you would meet people in this room. Father, you are near you are near. You are present. Holy Spirit, come. Can we just wait for a moment? Holy Spirit, come. Like David, we say, search my heart. often wonder what would happen with the church that everyone prayed that continually search my heart if there's anything in me God that doesn't please you Father we want to dwell in your house Make our heart your home. Make our heart your home. Father, I speak a fresh passion. 
for people that have felt tired. They've been hurt by the church. They've become cynical. Heal. God, I remember what that was like. You healed me, God. You helped me see that the church is your bride. talking about him sitting in a jasper's that he's like a jasper stone and that there's a rainbow around him and I was thinking wow that could sound narcissistic but then I thought <laughs> but yet he chose to leave that because he saw a broken 17 year old Tiffany <laughs> in a relationship with a grown man who was married because he saw a drug-addicted Gio on a park bench all alone homeless. Can we make it personal? He left all of heaven that we read about in Revelation because he saw you. So let's, let, let me read this again. <laughs> As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, come that we may know because i know in a room this size there are people who do not know they are loved by you they know it here but spirit of wisdom and revelation let us know it here because everything that pastor geo said this morning if we don't get this it doesn't matter we can't build him a house if we don't know that he 